What is up, Combo Nation? We are here, and welcome to yet another episode of Combo's Court, episode 543 to be exact. Did you miss the intros? Did you miss them, man? We're here. We're here. We are here. Today's show, Tyler Metcalf of No Ceilings joins in to talk NBA draft and more. We discuss the state of college basketball, Bronny returns to college basketball, Dillingham's development, and is Nikola Topic the number one NBA draft prospect in 2024? That and so much more exciting news. You can now watch full Combos Court episodes on the NBA report under the Knicks Fan TV umbrella. I'll leave a link in the show notes for that. And shouts to our sponsor, Prize Picks. Go to Prize Picks and punch in code COMBO for a first deposit match up to $100. It's also a great way to support Combo's Court. So go to Prize Picks and punch in code COMBO for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. I'll leave a link in the show notes for that as well. Shouts to Tyler. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. Tyler, Tyler, welcome back to the show, man. How are you? How are things at No Ceiling? Interesting time of the year. There's there's still a couple months till uh, March Madness. So what's the day-to-day like and how are you? I'm fantastic. Thrilled to be back on. Thanks for having me. Um, life's good. You know, we, we just have chaos in uh, the, the draft world right now with uh, no consensus, number one, um, which, you know, makes things a little more difficult, but a lot more fun. There's a whole lot more variance on boards. You're seeing completely different, not just top one or top two, top three, but top tens across the board. Um, it, it It's really fun this year. And it's, you know, just kind of really testing um everyone's ability to kind of dive into these guys and really kind of generate their own thoughts and beliefs which is making for some some really fun debates in the in the whole draft space so you're are you saying that the Wemby fiasco was boring because everybody knew it was just obvious i mean i mean in terms of scouting him no he's not boring but you know it's like <laughs> all right cool we have the same one two three four you know eight months now it's like that's not fun whereas this year you know my preseason number one is you know no longer in the first round and it's like okay well like let's let's move things around and uh maybe take some swings or really you know bet on our scouting ability so it's it, it's been a lot more interesting maybe not fun fun might not be the right word but definitely interesting I think for like the draft nerds, it's just a lot of fun when there's not a consensus number one. Yeah. And when you just get like the, you know, in this draft, you know, you can always kind of pick nits with other people's rankings. But this one is like, all right, I can understand having 10 different people at the number one spot. It's like, as long as you give me a decent reasoning for it, it's like, all right, cool. More, More power to you. Love it. Most definitely. Okay. You pay a lot of attention to college basketball. You watch a lot of college basketball. And if you take a zoomed out perspective, the hype around college basketball, the interest around college basketball has changed a lot over the past 20 years. I would say 30, like, I mean, all the big names went to play in college basketball back at that time. I remember the big East was just like a crazy draft pool in itself, right? Like all the best players played college basketball. Things have changed a lot since then, but let's zoom in a little bit over the past four or five years where NIL came into play, 
Um, the alternative paths are becoming more relevant. There's more of them with OTE and the G League Ignite. How do you feel about the current landscape of college basketball and where is it trending towards when we're just looking back at like, let's say the past four or five years and then moving forward? I, I think it's still in a really good spot. I know there are a lot of people, um, you know, when the Ignite kind of first came on, there was a lot of concern of, okay, is this where all of the kind of top prospects are going to go? But I, I think the Ignite has done a really good job of kind of getting a lot of those guys ready and acclimated to be a little more, more ready for NBA from day one, even though some of their draft stock has kind of been hampered um, and damaged through the process. But I mean, we're still seeing guys, I mean, like, Brandon Miller, he wasn't expected to go number two, had a huge college year last year, jumped Scoot Henderson, who was number two for pretty much, you know, the vast majority of people for the bulk of the year. Um, so it's, I, I think it's still a really viable route. NIL has done absolute wonders in a, being able to kind of retain a lot of these guys. Um, you know, we've always, coaches have always had the ability to move around and make as much money as they want whenever they want. So why not the players? You know, they're the ones who are really attracting a lot of the people to watch. Um, you know, obviously college is a little different because a lot of people are more tied to the name on the front of the jersey than the back. Mm -hmm. But the players are the, still the ones out there producing. And, you know, you look at a guy like Reed Shepard this year, who some people have around top five and others have around 20, but he's just producing at a, obscene levels. And I think his draft process is going to be really fascinating because, you know, both his parents were big time Kentucky players. Uh, you know, he's already kind of a folk hero there after playing 10, 15 games. And if he doesn't, if his draft stock is looking like I, I might not go lottery, I might go more in the twenties than in the top 10, I'll just go back to Kentucky and probably make close to 10 million next year off of NIL stuff. So I, I think the way that the transfer portal, um, has kind of impacted the way that these teams are able to bring in more experienced guys. It's giving guys the opportunity to get playing time and get opportunities. So I, I, I think college basketball is in a really good spot right now. Uh, that may not be the popular view, um, but I think the ability for guys to kind of go where they feel comfortable and feel wanted and have an opportunity to play and then get rewarded for that with either playing time, improved draft stock or NIL stuff. I, I don't see any issues with it. Speaking of Kentucky, Rob Dillingham, and you talked about how this college process could either, you know, hurt or help your process. Um, this process for him has definitely helped him more than any alternative path. Yeah. He's been playing really great, but specifically, what have you learned about his game during, um, the, during this college season? That he knows how to play. <laughs> um, I, you know, I, I was really skeptical coming into the year and he wasn't in my top 60. And I was like, oh, God, okay, this is going to be another highlight reel. You know, his mm -hmm. YouTube highlight reel looks incredible. But then once we actually get into more structured games um, and decision-making and ramifications and being held accountable, like, this is going to be a disaster. Um, and he's been he's been absolutely incredible. Um, I've loved almost everything I've seen from him. Um, the the shooting, the scoring is very legitimate. Uh, but the, the, the playmaking and decision-making has been – been what's really stood out to me because I thought his processing uh, and decision making this year were going to be a disaster. But I think, you know, obviously their coaching staff has done a really good job of kind of 
directing him in the right ways while also giving him a sense of freedom to still be himself. But the vast majority of the credit has to go to him for really changing his game. When you compare his Kentucky film to what we saw from him at OTE in high school, it's night and day um, where he was, you know, just going out there, you know, winging it and just doing wild stuff that you would never think would translate to the college game. He's molded his game and been more consistent still with that sense of flair and creativity that makes him a special player that he is. But now he's molded that into more of a structured format that not only is translating to college basketball, but it's like, God, this really looks like it can translate to the NBA, which is something I really, really didn't think I was going to be feeling at this time, you know, coming into the year. Yeah. I mean, the playmaking has been better. Um, he's always been known as like a smaller bucket getter yeah. in terms of basketball size, at least. But do you feel the athleticism is a little bit underrated because he's been doing some real eye-popping stuff uh, down in Kentucky? Yeah, and he can, you know, obviously in transition, he 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 can get up a little bit. He's got a little pop to him, uh, but it's the the quickness and the shiftiness, mm. uh, both on ball, but also it's also made him a little more effective defender than I anticipated. Um, I don't think he's ever going to be a great defender, mm. um, especially in the NBA. You know, I think they have him listed at six, three, and that feels real generous, but I think his hands have been a lot quicker than I expected his feet. Um, he's able to kind of really be a pest on ball. And it's like, if you're not going to be, if you, you're lacking the positional size that he clearly is, and you're not going to be a super fundamentally sound defender, if you can at least be like that obnoxious nap and make life at least difficult or annoying for your assignment, that's a, that's typically enough. So I, you know, the, the, the quickness, the lateral agility, the foot speed, all of that has been really impressive. Is this more of a consequence of situation or you think he just really improved in terms of his self-development, his player development? Um, yes. Uh, <laughs> so, so sorry to cop out, but, you know, and it, we, we kind of look at, you know, not to throw Monty Bates under the bus because he's been having a nice year with Cleveland. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, we look at what Imani did going from Memphis and then to Eastern Michigan, and he never really changed his game and we see that that tends to be the more typical route for these guys because coming up through high school they're you know told how great and incredible they are so why should they change their game when they've been a top five recruit their entire life so I, I think Dillingham deserves a ton of credit for molding his game because that's really really hard to do especially at that age when you, you're so confident and all you've ever experienced is success but then at the same time really good job by Kentucky's coaching staff to get him to buy into that because as we're seeing with you know DJ Wagner still starting Reed Shepard mm -hmm. is looking like the best player on the team if Dillingham doesn't you know change how he's playing changing his decision making his processing all of that kind of stuff it's like okay then you're not going to play because we have other guys who can fill those minutes and do what we need for the team um, so I, I think it's a bit of both but I a ton the and the bulk of the credit should go to Dillingham because we typically don't see guys do that at really any age. Okay. So this is a really interesting draft as we already talked about, and I'm seeing boards with Topic as number one. And I've always been a guy that's been very favorable to international talent. I mean, I played overseas a bunch of years and I love the way European guards play with a unique cadence and pace. And I think he does that. 
But number one does seem a little bit high. Hey, hey I was the guy screaming from the top of my lungs that Luca should be the number one pick. Yep. So Same. I don't know, man. One seems a little bit high for Topich. What are your thoughts on his ascension? Uh, one is really aggressive for me as well. Um, I have him seven right now. Okay. Um, so definitely that early to mid lottery range. And it's just because the production has just been so absurd with him. Mm. Um, the playmaking, the at rim finishing, his understanding of angles mm. is incredible. It, it's, you know, you mentioned Luca. Um, they're very different players, so I'm not comparing them in that sense. But that right. understanding of floor spacing and how to manipulate angles and just he only needs a sliver of space to either make that kick out pass or finish you know over a rotating defender stuff like that is kind of luca similar um the playmate again the playmaking the arrow finishing that first step that ability to get downhill and get to his spots all really impressive um i don't buy the shot though and that Mm. really worries me I, you know, it's a little funky, you know, from 30 feet and the defender goes way under a screen. Can he pull up into one? Yeah. Ball swings to him. Can he knock down an occasional wide open one? Yeah. It's really slow. There's absolutely no mid-range game. There's no pull-up stuff that really, really concerns me. And then the defense is just non-existent with him. So if you're just betting on production, you're betting on the size, you're betting on the playmaking, the IQ, the creativity, um, and you believe in the shot, I can, you know, I can squint and understand the reasoning for having him at one. But there are still just a lot of kind of big holes to his game where it's like if the shooting was average um, and there was a little bit of mid-range stuff and a little it was a little quicker release and the mechanics were a little smoother. I, I, I could be influenced to, to, you know, bump him up a little bit, but the way they are right now, I'm just like, I'm not sure I'm ever kind of buying those coming around. Yeah. And when you're talking lottery, I think it's really important. And I love talking about shot profile. Like obviously you want a majority of your shots to be at the rim for those threes. Right. Yeah. But when we're talking a top 10 guy, you need that mid range. Like all the league's best players have that. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the mid range is a bad shot for a select group, for, for role players, for guys who aren't dominating the ball, for guys who aren't constantly running the pick and roll. I mean, it, it's non-existent for role players when it comes to spot up these exactly. days anyway, you know? Exactly. Yeah. So it's like the mid-range is a bad shot for a lot of guys, not everyone. If you're going to be that primary initiator, mm-hmm. you're, whether you're a, a jumbo wing initiator or a true point guard, you have to be able to kind of get to your spots around the free throw line at the elbows, those kind of areas. And he just, he never, ever does it. Do you see that as a skill? I mean, all skills could be improved upon, but I mean, if you don't have a 50-inch vertical, you probably won't get a 50-inch vertical at this point. Do you see um, a world where he could become really proficient in the mid-range, or do you think that's somewhat of a knack when you've been covering players for all these years? I I think it's a lot harder to kind of develop than we might initially think. Mm-hmm. Um and especially for a guy like him, where I think his release is really, really slow. That's where it really worries me. And it would, even if he was just kind of getting to like a floater a little more, yeah, um, that would be a little more encouraging to me too, mm-hmm. because then, you know, okay, instead of a floater from five to seven feet, we stretch that out to 10 ish feet. It's a little long for a floater, but <laughs> you, right. you, you, you can kind of work with it. But I, all of his stuff is at the rim and the at rim stuff again is incredible. It's really, really good. Um, but makes him just 
a little easier to defend. And when the shot is that much slower, uh, it's a little easier for guys, especially NBA level defenders to kind of get out of jail, recover back ribside and get a heavy contest on it. So I'm not saying it's something that he'll never develop, but I think it's more of an uphill climb than we would initially think. Yeah. It's like when I'm looking at SGA, I feel like, you know, all the mid range is such a knack for him. And then it feels like the catch and shoot and the threes could, it's like something you could really learn. It's something you could really rep out. Obviously you could rep out in the mid range too, but it seems like a harder thing to learn when you're just like creating space and just getting in your mid range and rising up like the league's best players. Yeah. Cause I, it, it's always more crowded. And I think so much of it comes down to just like your natural scoring instincts and Tendencies, ability to yep. get to your spot, your strength, yeah. release point, all of that kind of stuff. And like you mm-hmm. mentioned SGA and his ability to get so low in his dribble and then just explode out of that, use his high release point, use his length, use his strength to then, you know, create another foot of separation. It's like, th- this is really, really advanced stuff. And like you said, developing and improving on a catch and shoot three, a spot up three. I have way more confidence in guys growing into that role because almost everyone now improves their Mm -hmm. shooting in some form or fashion, especially the standstill stuff, Mm -hmm. but changing your mentality of getting to your spots, creating extra separation, speeding up your release, adjusting your release point. That's a lot more difficult, at least to me. So it's great to see Bronny on the court. Um, what happened to him was so unfortunate and it's just amazing to see him play basketball, very small sample size, but have you learned anything new during this college season about his game? Um, I'm not sure new. Um, I like you said, just thank God he's playing and right. healthy and you know, that it feels like those kind of instances are unfortunately becoming a little more popular and they're just freaking horrifying. Yeah. Um, but I, when, when I saw Brown, Brownie at hoop summit uh, last April, I was so impressed with how he was reading the game on both ends of the floor, Um, not to the level of, you know, oh, this guy's going to be an all-star, but it's like, oh, this is really high-level role-player stuff where he's making the extra pass, he's seeing Mm -hmm. passing angles, um, he's rotating on defense, he's communicating, and he is so physically strong and explosive where it's like, okay, it's like, yeah, you don't have your dad's size, but you have that strength. You have that explosiveness. Um, And that's the kind of stuff where it's like, okay, you're probably going to be a solid kind of combo guard role player in the league in some form or fashion. So I would like to see, you know, the, the spot up jumper looks good. The movement stuff needs a lot of work. The pat playmaking consistency needs a lot of work. Uh, but there are flashes, there are signs there that are really encouraging. So I'm, I'm not sure I've learned anything new. It's just good to see him out there on the court. I think this USC team's a little clunky um, and still trying to find their, you know, their flow. Um, but he's he, he he's good in his own right, not just because of who, what his name is. Yeah, I'm. I'd be surprised if he doesn't play with his father at some point. I mean, I think that's why they were trying the load management thing at the beginning of the season, but the Lakers just couldn't win games that way. So (laughs) that went out the window Um, for Bronny. I love the drew holiday comp. Do you like that as well? That that's a bit aggressive for me. I I think that's like 99th percentile outcome. Um, Okay. You know, maybe a little more like Davion Mitchell type. Um, Davion Mitchell, I mean, Bronny's defense is good, but Davion Mitchell yeah, fighting I, over his, screens is like his, different. his footwork isn't there yet. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. And Davion's footwork on ball, especially, um, was ludicrous. But I'm like, right, right, right. If, if you're talking like 99th percentile, but better shooter, like, but, but Bronny has a chance to be a better shooter. 
Yes. Yeah, yes. yeah. Um, especially spot up stuff. Um, really like his mechanics. So it, it'll, it'll be interesting to see how the pull up stuff um, and movement kind of develops. But I, I, I definitely think the you know spot up uh, standstill stuff is a, a really kind of bankable day one skill. So we just tried to look for comps for Bronny, but when it comes to Isaiah Collier, his teammate, do you have an NBA comp for us? And what do you feel like his NBA outlook is? Collier, I'm really struggling with um, mm. because I, he's so strong, gets to the rim whenever he wants. And then I really like, you know, it's not just I'm going to get downhill, I'm going to get to the rim and get my own. It's he does a really good job of kind of reading that weak side too, making kickout passes, creative playmaker out of those sets. Um, I still don't really buy the shot. Uh, the decision-making and processing speed with him has been troublesome. Uh, the ball sticks with him a little too much. And the, the name I kind of keep going back to is like Tyreek Evans. Um, just really good athlete, really good getting, getting downhill has, you know, is the shot ever going to really come around? Not entirely sure. Uh, some of the percentages and stuff, especially early in the year were really, really encouraging, but yeah. I, again, I, I don't know if it's him. I don't know if it's that USC system, but the when the ball swings to him and he catches, he pauses, you know, takes a couple dribbles back out and then calls for a pick and roll. It's like, all right, well, we just wasted five, six seconds here and nothing really accomplished. And now we're just barreling into traffic yet again. So again, really skilled, ton of upside. Um, I can get understand why some people have him at one, just not my cup of tea. Yeah, so when it comes to the playmaking, have you seen any improvements in that area over the course of the season? Because I, I think he showed some flashes, right? Yeah, and the the high level stuff is definitely there. It's the 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 consistency with him and really kind of staying locked in and just sometimes just making the simple decision where so many times he's trying to make that home run play, make the highlight play, um, where it's like just just make the simple pocket pass and you're good. You don't need to, you know, make the jump skip pass to the opposite corner when it's not there all the time. So just kind of simplifying his game, um, taking a step back. And I think he's starting to do that a little bit more. Um, hopefully that continues because the turnovers at the start of the year were out of control. I think they've improved a little bit, uh, still has a lot of work to do with it, especially if he's going to be that, you know, traditional lead point guard for an NBA team can't be turning it over like he is, especially if the shot's not going to be there. So I, I think there, there are positive signs of improvement there, um, but just kind of needs to keep building on those as the season goes on. Tyler, who's the biggest sleeper for you in this upcoming NBA draft? Ooh. Um, and you could give me a few. You could give me a few if you'd like. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're, define sleeper. What range are you looking for? Like, um, just somebody that could go late first round that could surprise everybody. Um, I mean, I, I, I think AJ Johnson, um, from Illawarra that, you know, he's not getting the minutes that suggest a first round pick, but every time he plays, he just, you, you can tell that he just gets how to play. Um, really good athlete. There are some flashes of his ball creation that are really exciting. Uh, he just needs to get stronger. So if I was an NBA team and he's sitting there in the mid to late 20s um, and I can get that extra year of control with him um, and just have the understanding of, hey, you're going to go down go down to the G League and you're just going to get stronger. You're going to play a ton and we don't care what your numbers look like. You're just going to figure out what we are as a team. 
he's someone I'd be really, really excited about. Uh, kind of like a similar thing to what like Portland did with Anthony Simons, mm. where it's just you're patient with him. You're not rushing it. You're not expecting production um, in the first two years, really. Um, but that long-term upside, that long-term development is really there. Um, and then just another name, Tyler Kolek. Um, I have him at 19 right now. He's just one of those guys that gets how to play. I, you know, white point guard from Marquette, not the sexiest game, but gets to his spots whenever he wants. Really good playmaker, really good shooter, really, really smart player. So yeah, I, I think he's one of these kind of upperclassmen that's just really going to outperform wherever he gets drafted. Tyler, great stuff. You're always welcome back on the show. Where can we find you on X and where can we find no ceilings? Yeah. appreciate you having me. Always a blast. Uh, on Twitter at, at tmetcalf11, uh, and then all the written work and podcast stuff at noceilingsnba.com, 100% free uh, for the daily stuff. We also have a paid tier uh, that gives you um, bonus articles, access to our Discord, whole bunch of whole bunch of fun stuff, and the, the No Ceilings podcast on, I think, everywhere you get it. So, appreciate you. Anytime. Happy New Year, Tyler. You're always welcome back on the Good show time. and talk soon. Sounds good. There it was, NBA Draft episode with Tyler. Another great one. Thank you to everyone who tunes in to Combos Court across the globe. Go to Prize Picks and punch in code COMBO for a first deposit match up to $100. And exciting news, as I mentioned in the intro, you can now watch Combos Court episodes in its entirety on YouTube, on the NBA Report, under the Knicks Fan TV umbrella. I'll leave a link in the show notes for the NBA report and this full episode. So go subscribe to the NBA report. Subscribe to Combos Court wherever you tune in to the show. Thank you and be on the lookout for episode 544 Combo out.